Hello everyone, I'm Dean Lacey and welcome back to the podcast. On this week's episode, myself and Dave are joined by club 400 metre runner Amari Markland Montgomery. We discuss his training during the pandemic and find out which is shorter, his high jump career or his long jump PB. We also discuss where the club is at the moment and how we can improve moving forward. We also talk about Coleman's whereabouts failures and the Black Lives Matter movement. Week five, we're still standing. Hello, Dean. How are you? Not too bad, thanks, Dave. Uh, how are you? Uh, better now. The hot weather has passed away and we seem to have a bit of drizzle in the air, so that's good news. Yeah, I'm not uh, too keen on the drizzle, I must admit, Dave. Much prefer no, the, the warmer weather. Being northern, we're more at home now, you see, with a bit mm. of rain in the air. So we've got um, exciting uh, news ahead, I believe, which we'll talk about later, so that'll definitely keep people on tender hooks down the... Uh, down the club. Um, exciting news, I believe, is dispatched. Hold well, a minute, there's a knock at the door. Who's that knock at the door? Oh, it's Amari. Hello, hello, hello. Amari, how are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. Very, very good. Glad you could join us. Um, you know, we've reached a milestone here because you are the first double barrel named person in the house. I like Amari, it. I do Mark like it. Montgomery. Just in, in terms of your name, Mario, can we call you sort of um, Monty, like uh, at the Simpsons? Because you can be like that, Monty Burns. <laughs> to be fair, my, um, my maths teacher called all three of my brothers Monty. Did he? Really? <laughs> so, yeah, he called, he called all three of us Monty. So, like, yeah, names sort of just stuck for a while. <laughs> yeah. So, are you well? Um, yep, yeah, I'm doing very well, actually. Very, very well. Just enjoying life. It's, it's really peaceful at the moment. Very, very peaceful. And just training. That's all I'm really doing is training and doing a little bit of work. And that's it. Yeah, I believe you've got a big Charlton posse down the old Charlton Park Road. <laughs> yes, yep. On a, uh, on a Sunday, when we're meant to be doing our hill training, we have quite a big turnout now. Which is very doing strange. hills already. Yep, doing hills, everything. So it's, it's it's a good group to have a lot of fun. So what's the score? What's your, what does your typical training week look like at the moment? At the moment, it is training five days a week currently. So Tuesday and Thursday in the morning is track. Wednesday in the morning is gym work. And on the weekend, we've got Saturday in the morning, it's just strength and conditioning. And on the Sunday, it is hill runs, then more weight training in the evening. Heavy stuff. Yeah. And you mentioned track. What was this track? No, well, Charlton Park. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so are you going to declare to everybody here that you've been sneaking over the fence at, at Sucre? <laughs> I wish I was that brave, but um, no, I've been well behaved and stayed away. So are you just, are you just mirroring what you'd be doing normally? Yeah, so um, Ron has been setting most, well, all of the sessions and there is like a nice flat part in the park, which isn't too lumpy and it's about 550 metres. So you can get all of your sessions done on that stretch of nice grass. So when it's not raining, it's really nice to run on. When it is raining, you just hate to be there. 
Yeah, I bet you like to call it 550 meters, but it's probably about 400, isn't it? <laughs> I'll have you know, Wally used his GPS to uh, work out the <laughs> Yeah, we know about so... Wally's GPS. That's why he's got all those good signs. <laughs> he bought it in China, didn't he? <laughs> no comment. He probably did. <laughs> So are there any virtual races for sprinters going on? Not that I know of. I um, I heard that a few schools are doing sports days and again, people to post their times up and uh, things like that. And uh, one of the girls in our training group, she told me some of the times that other people have run. And when there was a girl that ran 100 metres in like six seconds. So <laughs> clearly these times need to be verified so what can you say they they shouldn't be sprinters and virtual races should not be going ahead it just doesn't work Dean have you dipped your toe into anything yet um no not yet um I was thinking about entering the uh the England athletics uh 5k just to you know kind of see where I'm at but I haven't really run much (laughs) this week either so uh, kind of pointless I think you'd have to do the 5K. I'd, want to ch- I'd think very carefully about my route. And uh, very careful. I, want you to adapt. I might start at, the, start at the top of Shooter's Hill. <laughs> <laughs> and then go like the clappers all the way down to Blackheath. <laughs> so uh, you're typically training pretty well, Amari. Um, what, what about those around you? Can you do any reporting on anybody else? What they... uh, Wally, actually. Wally's been very consistent at the moment. So he's doing all of his own sessions. Uh, who else? Who was Archie? Another sprinter in my training group. He's been training very consistently, which has been good to see. And we have a really strong weekend group. So they're only down the weekends, very consistent. Sounds like sprinters. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. Yeah, I think the people that I see are consistent. I feel a lot of people in my training group have gone their separate ways and training near where they live. So, because Child Park's so close for me, I always go up there. But a lot of the people in our training group train in places like closer to Welling and sort of Bexley Heath area. So I'm sure a lot of them are training up there. Well, I would hope so. But we'll see when we get back to the track how fit they are. What kind of shape do you think you're in at the moment? Do you think you're running, you know, fairly quick that if, you know, a local local open meeting did come about you'd be in really, reasonable pretty, shape pretty quick on that 550 metres stretch he's got anyway <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, fitness wise I do feel fit speed wise I'm probably still not there yet would I race right now yes purely for the fun <laughs> of it to see where I'm actually at but yeah I don't, I'm not as fast as I was like sort of last year when I was obviously race fit. First race out, I'll probably run like a, a 50 point, hopefully. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it would be painful. It would be very, very painful. I won't lie to you. So what was, uh, what was your sort of plan for the season? Uh, obviously before coronavirus and everything happened. Um, so the plan was actually to go sub um, 48 seconds in uh, 400 meters. So I ran a PB last year. And- um, 48, 42. Have... Yeah, 48, 42, yep. And 
the season was pretty bad, to be fair. I had like a, a few nickels here and there in the season. But I came back at the end of the season to run a quick time. This year was meant to be an injury-free year where I had focus on just trying to bring down that time and race in more competitive races as well to really push me for a quicker time. But, yep, clearly that's not going to happen this year. So I just got to wait and see what happens. There's going to probably be a few more races towards the end of the year, a few races. But wait and see. Uh, Up until the end of August, I will um, look for races. But after August is done, I am waiting for next year to compete again. Fair enough. So would you race in September? No, 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 no. I'll try not to. I've done it before and getting back into normal off-season training always seems a bit harder to do it because I would always not, I wouldn't actually train in September properly. So my races in September aren't very good. So I'm like, let me just leave it and enjoy the break so I can actually come back fresh. What if we allowed you to keep your tights on in September? Would you still, would you do a few more races? (laughs) Yes, yes. If if I can wear tights, hundred percent. Because isn't one of the um, I, I was looking at the British Athletics website. Is, isn't one of the Grand Prix in Gateshead in September? Really? Okay. Mm. Yeah, because they're going ahead with the the British champs at Manchester. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's behind closed doors now, isn't yeah, it? Well. Closed doors, yeah, closed doors. Yeah. Um, which won't, won't, won't make a difference anyway, because I mean, there's no spectators anyway. That I think. So. <laughs> That normal, um, but then I think there's one at Gateshead. I think in September. Is that was oh, that wow. meant to be one of the Diamond Leagues? It is. A, yeah, I'm not sure if it still is, but I think it yeah, was going to be. The Diamond I th- yeah, I, th- I think that was moved. Yeah, I'm not sure whether it was moved or cancelled. Now I did remember reading something about that, but nothing for Amari in September. So no go zone no. in September. No, no. I'm gonna enjoy my rest and just build up for next season. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, well, the news is, of course, that the track we're meant to be up in the track next week. Yes, we are. Happy days. I'm actually really happy about that. <laughs> so happy. And it's as a result of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Well, we did speak about it last week and the week before. <laughs> we talked about it. And um, I think that's uh, the way we're doing it, you see, because we're, we're hiring the whole track. As a club, I think. Okay. For, for like a few hours. So it's not, so now you have to pay the club to use it and it will only be for yes. members. So a bit like the situation that Dartford do, actually. But uh, so we're hiring for a few hours on a Tuesday, Thursday, and a Saturday. Perfect. And I think that's the only way we could get it open. I'm not sure. I'm not, I don't know the full detail of it. But anyway, so I think next week it might be back open. It's good yeah, news. I was reading an uh, email saying, yep, next week, Tuesday, we're back on be back open again. So I was looking down your other PBs in because I was looking, I thought, oh, I've had to do my homework. And uh, the one that really sticks out to me is your 153 high jump. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have you know that is um, 155. I, I jumped 155 back in. Uh, oh, you did. I got it wrong. I've just had a look. <laughs> In 2019, you underperformed them, but luckily. <laughs> the funny thing is, I remember jumping at that track meet. So we were um, down in Wimbledon, and it was the Southern Division League. 
really nice day. And I remember Wally was jumping there as well. And it's one of those ones I'm like, I have to beat Wally. And I didn't beat Wally. <laughs> <laughs> My technique was horrible. And I was talking to the guys there. And they're like, okay, you need to get your hips up. Because they all knew that I wasn't really a jumper. You don't. And you know what? It was a lot of fun. It was so much fun. But yeah, high jump clean up for me. And surprisingly, you, you haven't got many long jumps in there either, have you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I think I remember that long jump as well. Like all those years back, it was it was horrible. Three minutes ninety seven was my uh, PB for a long jump, and yeah, I, I, I literally could have probably just stood and just did like a standing jump and got close enough to that. Now, but yeah, that was such a horrible jump. <laughs> what did you do on the uh, on the hydro, by the way? Did you do uh, Fosbury or did you do the old scissors? Um. I think I did the scissors. I think it was the scissors. Then towards my final few jumps, I did do the frisbee flip, um, which was just poor technique. Like, I'm not like, it was just really bad. Very, very bad. Well, the bad news is because of coronavirus, you're not going to be able to do the high jump this year. <laughs> yeah, I am very disappointed about that. Very, very disappointed. Uh, <laughs> but, the things you will do for your club to get points during uh, a we a British league. It wasn't for me. English schools has been cancelled this year. Um, you went to? Did you go to a couple of English schools? Uh, yes, I did over the years. I think I went to two of them. I think. I can't even remember. It's been that long. <laughs> it's been that long. But I believe it was two. Um, yeah, so I went to think two English schools and one UK school games, I believe. I don't know how many years ago that was. But yeah, it was um, fun times, actually. It was, it was a lot of fun. Hey, did you go? Uh, yeah, uh, I went twice. Um, one year I did the 3K, um, and during my heat, um, I just moved myself up into second. There's a guy from Kent. Uh, I was running for London at the time. Guy from Kent. Um, yeah, he sort of uh, shot off to make a make a break, and we were sort of just coming around, just coming around by the uh, by the bottom bend, by the high jump bench, and a bed, and a high jumper literally walked across the track in front of me starting to make his run up and uh yeah <laughs> running into him and it was a bit of a pile up behind me but um yeah so I, I i didn't make the final at first but then uh uh london team put in a bit of a complaint and uh yeah i, I got let into the final i think i missed out by one place and we sort of blamed it on the high jumper and, and got let in um my brother went to uh, an english school to view one year i think uh amari and uh, he did tell me that london had a really good uh a really good chant in the stand do you remember anything about that oh um do you remember what year this was? Because the year I went, I don't think they were really too lively. I, think, <laughs> I remember Middlesex had a really, really good chant, a really good chant. That's the only one I remember. But um, London were actually quite, quite docile in, in the stands. Yeah, it was a bit like that when I went. Um, the, the Middlesex chant, do you want to give us a quick, uh, a quick rendition? 
Uh, all I remember is uh, middle, middle, middle. <laughs> you all know this. Sex, sex, sex. <laughs> That's all it was. So it's not changed again since again. the time I went there. <laughs> Dave, did you ever go to English schools? I never went to school. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never been. Really? No, I've never made it. What um, team were you trying to get into for English schools? Who, me? Yeah. Well, probably the best county there is, there. probably Lancashire. So we always touch Amari on some club stuff. What's, what's your take on the club at the moment? What, what, do, you, what do you think? It, where, is it, where is it at? Where is it at? Ooh, that's a good question. At the moment, I think we're just a very small club which needs to try to recruit more members to bolster the ranks at senior level so we can actually compete in higher divisions. So I think we've got a, we have a lot of athletes in the junior ranks, which seem to be doing really well at competitions as well. They're in higher leagues, but there's a transition I think which most clubs suffer from, which is from the sort of under 20s, under 17s, moving up to the senior ranks, because obviously people go off and do their own thing and uh, just give up on the sport. And we just don't we have good quality athletes at the senior level, but we just don't have enough of them to make league matches worth going to sometimes because you know, we've touched well, on this. I mean, we, we spoke with Caroline a couple of weeks back and um, yeah I think we, we touched on it then actually and said that's one of the issues particularly for the girls we seem to, we do, seem to do all that at sort of younger levels but we don't seem to have anyone who transferred into the senior level yeah and, and yeah. certainly not another one yes um, and what we're also suffering from is that the, the perhaps one or two good kids we get are also tending to leave yeah crucial time and, and not stick with us it's, of course it's a chicken and egg isn't it you tend to leave because you think oh well if you're only having low competition then uh, you tend to look at other clubs and go oh, if I want to have a higher level of competition I tend to go there and they don't seem yes. to be taking up on the higher level competition status a lot of them do they? they just seem to be sort of jumping ship yeah which is um, also understandable because often when they move clubs they also move coaches so they're more um, encouraged to just completely change to another club. Because for a younger athlete, probably what's going through the head is, okay, I'm moving clubs now. Now, do I do a higher claim for another club and still pay a little bit of extra money to still run in a lower division when I could be better off just not doing these competitions at all and training to prepare for higher level competition? So I can see why people wouldn't do do um, higher claim because the whole reason for them moving is to have better competition for the most part. So, so what, 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 come on, what would you, what would you do? <laughs> what what <laughs> would I, I do? Spot, what would you do? <laughs> to, for, for what? what? What, what, does the club have to do to address some of its weaknesses? Do you think? Or just give me what, one of the weaknesses. What would you? Uh... I think it's, it's a difficult one because the club's in a, in a bad location because Blackie from Bromley are a much bigger club. Yeah. They've got a bigger catching area where we have to compete with clubs close by as well. So it puts us in a bad position. Only thing we really and truly can do is try to recruit even more juniors. So you're always going to get that fall off anyway, but recruit yeah, even more yeah. juniors. So if you've got a wider base 
more of them are more like, well, you're going to have more people going into the senior ranks because you've just got more people in a club in general. Um, another thing you could do, which may work for some people, but it's incentivizing people to race. Could that be, I don't know, if you're the, the best male athlete or the best female athlete for what best performance, you may get a certain prize at, at, the end, at the end of the year, or did you get them with points for the club? Do you get a prize then? Stuff like that might incentivize people to race a little bit more. But I think generally for league matches, a lot of them are just too long-winded and they need to be cut down and shortened to make it more short and snappier. Because going to a competition, you're there in the morning, you leave for your finish run about, what, half four, maybe? And you have to leave your house about nine o'clock in the morning if you're going there as a team. Now, on a Saturday or a Sunday, do you really want to spend all day at a league match? Especially if that league match isn't very high-level competition. So you're not yeah, I mean, seeing any other... there, Watching people jump 153 is like... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, nobody wants to see that. <laughs> so... I think a lot of it is out of the hands of the club, really and truly. I think it's more of a, a whole a sports thing. Like the whole of the sport of athletics, it's, it's a bigger problem. But for the club specifically, the best thing you can really do is try to recruit more juniors. And Mick Bond is really doing a good job at this, getting more school-level matches on at the track and picking the best athletes that perform at those meets and inviting them down to train. So um, that's why we have such a, we've got a large chunk of junior athletes. But staying power, unless they're performing really well, do they really want to stay in the sport? So uh, when we had this uh, thing last year, was it last year about uh, what, what the club should do? One of the things I suggested was that we should, um, you're right, that we can't, we can only do so much. But what we can do, we can drop out, we could drop out of the SAL because it's tedious and boring and generally poor competition. Too many idiots trying to do high jump when they can't do it. And uh, <laughs> you should uh, get back to sort of saying, you know, you can't sort of say, you might want to be British League, but you're not, you're not in British League, except that's what you're not there at the moment. Yeah. Um, but I said, what we do want, and I think what was attractive, you want, I agree with you, shorter matches, which are tight, more tightly packed, um, don't last longer than about two, three hours, um, can be done in an afternoon or an evening, something like that. So I said we should drop out the SAL and arrange matches locally with teams in the events we want to have events in. So we don't have, basically, we don't have steeplechase if there aren't any steeplechase runners. Um, but we do have, like, 400, if there are 400-metre runners. And you compete with, like, sort of uh, three or four clubs in the area. Um, and if nothing else, you see, all right, you could say, well, what about promotion? And to me, it's less of an issue, but, it's, but it does mean that you create a, a competition yeah. that at least is, is interesting to watch and, and, and it, more importantly, in, more interesting to take part in. Yeah, that does sound like a, a very good idea. I feel you would get a lot of pushback trying to push that through, but you'll probably get a high-level competition doing it like that. It'll be like an open meet between local clubs so you all got your numbers already. You know how much people are going to turn up on that day. It sounds like a really good idea. 
But you're right. The number one thing they need to change, though, in the sport is cutting down the length of time just being at a league match. Because really and truly, most people don't want to be there for that length of time. They just want to go there, do their events, maybe watch their friends in a certain event. But for, I don't know, for um, a sprinter, watching someone do steeplechase, they probably won't be that interested to... Well, don't study on steeplechase. No, hold on, hold on. Unless you know somebody doing a steeplechase, unless you know people actually in that event, then you're less likely to really encourage the athletes in that event because you just don't really know much about steeplechase. You don't know what good times are. It's just not your event. Well, more importantly as well, and Dean, you can chip in here, but more importantly, let's just take the steeplechase, for example. You don't need to know anything about steeplechase, I don't think. But you do have to see a good race, a competitive race, where it's yep. close and, you know, there's something, everyone's in it and there's a challenge. And if it's a team event, that, that gets your interest, doesn't it? You don't need to know about the event, but if it looks close and competitive, that's good. But the reality is, is that if you just take Steeplechase as an example, we haven't got, we and every other club hasn't got many decent Steeplechases anymore. And, the, the, yeah. and the, the downside of that is you end up getting people in the steeplechase who can't do steeplechase often. They're just distance runners who, who can just about climb over a barrier. And the good steeplechases don't bother with that competition anymore. They go and do a steeplechase somewhere else where they're going to get close competition. So I question whether you, you know, it's worth having steeplechases in SALs. Yeah. Let's bring in a steeplechaser. A retired steeplechaser. no I mean I agree with what you're saying I think there's you've you've got to be careful that there are sort of enough opportunities for steeplechasers to to race as you say a competitive race as well Um, but also you you don't want jogging around for a point and it taking 15 minutes or whatever it is to do a a, a 3k steeplechase because <laughs> so you know, you 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 may as well not hold the steeplechase at certain league matches. So, because um, we're on the money, here, if we're gonna, let's 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 drop in a few contemporary things here. What about Coleman being done for uh, missing all those drug tests? What do you think about that? Ah, uh, like part of me is so sad because even if he's like just made an honest mistake, there's always going to be that dark cloud and it's like maybe he was maybe he wasn't so people are always going to think along that line and if he actually was trying to avoid drug testing for a reason we'll, we'll just never know so it's going to be this little question mark now when he broke the records and like he broke the records you run all these quick times but what like what can you say about him but it's interesting where he gave the excuse about going to the shopping mall I believe when they knocked on his door. So I'm not really exactly sure how drug testing actually works in terms of do they contact the person saying we're going to come around this time a couple of days beforehand. I don't know how they do it. But if you've missed two drug tests before and you know for a fact, okay, you've got to be on the ball for the third one, how do you miss it? This is your, this is your job. <laughs> that <can't> your lifestyle. <laughs> There's no excuse, unless it was like, a, like an emergency, which there wasn't one. There's no excuse for you missing out on the test. This is not. No, I'm so with you on that one. I mean, 
Go on, D, sorry. No, 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 go on, Dave, sorry. I'm just saying, I'm with the more on that. I mean, I think it's your job. You earn lots of money from it. And there are a few rules which you've got to, you've got to be on the ball with. And uh, that's one of them, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, this is, as, um, as someone said, I can't remember who it was now, but they was like, if you've, had, if you've missed two tests and then you know, you know the third one, that's it, you're banned. It was like, you just literally, you sit on your doorstep. You say, I'm going to be at my house <laughs> right, at 11 o'clock until 12 o'clock. And then you sit on that doorstep every day. <laughs> just so there's no argument. It's, you know, your doorbell yeah. didn't work or, you know, we tried to ring you. And, you know, every, you know, you sit on the doorstep for that hour every day, you know. But as you say, or, there's just no excuse. You, or you're the, guilty and you dodge the bullet, don't you? That's what, well, yeah, uh, I mean, that's the other thing. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it, it obviously leads you to, to that conclusion, doesn't it, in the end? I mean, unfortunately, I mean, the history tells us that there's so many sprinters that are just, um, well, just try and get away with it, don't they? Exactly. Yeah. yeah but... I mean, you look at, like, the top 10 fastest male 100-meter runners in the world ever. Nine out of the 10... <laughs> have all been linked <laughs> you know with some sort of you know <laughs> missed drugs test or you know failure and the only person that hasn't is Usain Bolt and he's the quickest out of all of them <laughs> yeah I'm, 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 I'm not convinced by that either <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's tragic yeah. I mean I mean I always think people in athletics have got very short memory we're, we're, we're absolute suckers or forgetting, like, who's just been done. <laughs> and they're, they're yeah. the next champs going, yeah, 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 any great, any great, oh, aren't they great? They're so much better than everybody else. Well, no, 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 it sort of says, hold on a minute. <laughs> 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 we're just, I think we're, we're sort of like kids, we just like to believe in fairy tales. And when there's, when there's sort of a superhero, we just love to sort of say, oh, they're just amazing. And yeah. We can't check ourselves. It, we just fall for it every time. Yeah, but I also think it's the way a lot of these athletes are sort of betrayed in the sport themselves. So, for example, who was it? Dwayne Chambers, when he came back, he was just absolutely victimized. Yeah. Which, you know, could be rightly so. Everyone's got their own opinions on it. But you see other athletes that weren't, that also failed drug tests and everything like that, they come back to the sport. Everybody loves them. And if it, if it due to the medium not really pushing it out there, or people, as you said, people are just really forgetful. So yeah, it's just how it's sort of a person is pushed onto these people, being like, "Oh, you're a good person. You're a bad person. You know, you're the hero of our sport. You're not." Yeah, I mean, one who's really got it bad. What's his face in America? Um, what's he called? They've really had it in for him, um, Justin Gatlin. Gatlin, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. Because Gatlin's got a conviction record <laughs> as long as Shipman. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, they've, ne- they've, they've made him to be the bad boy, haven't they? I mean, in some respects, certainly it's, it's sort of, maybe that's been a good marketing thing in that. Um, yes. You know, you've got, to, you've got to have the hero and you've got to have the villain, haven't you? And he's become that yeah. villain, hasn't he? And, or, or maybe not now, but in the last few years. And maybe, you know, ultimately, because he wasn't running at his best then, that villain thing was, was actually quite a draw, wasn't it? I mean, it's like, boo! Sort of yeah, definitely. That's it. And he also rang quicker when he was supposedly not taking the drugs. 
yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. he, he came back and ran even quicker. So like, what? <laughs> but yeah, I think you know, as as you just said, yeah, you, you know, Usain Bolt was the big hero, and Gatlin was just this pantomime villain. Yeah. And it was. I wonder as well. I wonder as well about you can comment on this. I wonder if any of these drugs thing has there been. I mean, because what's what's hit the what's been quite impactful in the last sort of like month is, is that Black Lives Matters uh, issue, and um, you've not heard too much from athletics, have you, on this one? And I wonder is is there some racist sort of dimension to some of the drug cases and how we treat them? Do you think? I don't think there would be because, oh, I know. I'm, I actually haven't thought about that. I haven't thought good about question, that, that isn't it? That's, that's that is a good question. That is a good question. However, I think there are certain athletes that would be favoured in the sport anyway because they are the big money earners, such as Bolt, for example. Mm. You know, there's, there's certain athletes out there in certain events that they are pushed out because they are big crowd drawers and big money earners for the sport themselves and like a nice faith to put to the world but maybe somebody just race could play a part in it it could well play a part in it I've said there, but there's no evidence to suggest that there is a role in race when it comes to drugs testing and the way these athletes are perceived by people. Because in a sport, we know, no matter your race, if you take drugs, your drugs cheap. It's simple as that. Like, there's nothing else, else to it. So race shouldn't even come into the whole the factor thing. It may well come into it in terms of portraying this person to the rest of the world, but not actually with the drug testing itself. And what do you think? So there's been a, there's been like a response from football to sort of Black Lives Matters in this country. Do you, mm. do you think there should be a, a, a response from athletics? And what should that be? I mean, they've put sort of bland statements out, but, but does there need to be more than that, do you think? Uh, no, not really. I feel it shouldn't need to come from an organisation. It should come from the individual's so if they wish to support Black Lives Matters, Matter, then it should, people should be able to individually come out and say it, not be, because everyone else is doing it around them, they feel like they have to do it. Yeah, they I mean, they feel like they have to yeah, because I'm a little bit, you want to see the football ones and everyone at the, before kickoff. Yeah. Takes the knee, and I sort of think, you know, I, I almost think that there's a trouble with these things, isn't it? I mean, I almost think, does everybody, is everybody on board here? Or, or, or is it like a three-line whip and everyone does it? And I, I just, sometimes, yeah. that can diminish the message, can't it? Rather than, I don't know. I don't know what to think about it. And what you don't want, I think, sometimes is, be t is to be told by everybody, like in athletics, that this is going to happen or that's going to happen. And then you do it. Exactly. Because I'm not sure that is changed. That's almost saying like, well, okay, I'll do it then. Ask it has to come from the individual, doesn't it? A hundred percent, yeah. You know, and obviously, individuals that want to go ahead and do it, they allow them to do it. But for everybody else that doesn't want to get involved in it, still show their respect, but do they want to take the knee? 
you know, some people see taking a knee as a submissive, submissive thing. So do they really want to be taking the knee? I mean, they may well support, they may well view all lives as being equal and obviously show that, show their, um, their support for um, having, for everyone being treated equally, but they just might not want to show it through symbolism because at the end of the day, everyone can take a knee and do everything they want to do. But unless they actually know what is going on in the world and do research into certain injustices, you know, possibly police brutality in certain areas of the world and actually learning about more about the history of how slavery played a role in America and how black people played a role in the UK unless people actually deep, like, dip into the history, they won't understand where a lot of the viewpoints come from. And I feel the problem with social media as well coming into the Black Lives Matter thing is people are pushing out a lot of stuff on, out in the media. Mm. And I'm always one to then go, okay, I've just heard this story, let me go and search even further. And when you do look into it, you're like, this is not a race issue at all. But it's being used to showcase Black Lives Matters. So, and if, if a lot of people research stuff like I do, then they're gonna be less likely to blandly follow the masses. Because give it a couple of, couple of weeks, maybe yeah, a month or so. Yeah, don't do that, do they? This is the trouble with social yeah. media. People don't research stuff. They read something that's put out as a tweet or something. And they think, oh, God, that must be true. Oh, that, you know, whatever it may be. I mean, that's the problem, isn't it? That people are less, yeah. like, even less likely to sort of think, hold on a minute, is that true? I mean, this is one of the big issues about social media, isn't it? And the fact that exactly. you can put stuff out there. And, and amazingly, you can have like a million tweets, retweets. And, and it's like, well, <laughs> that's not even true. It's like completely rubbish. Yeah. And it's a serious problem. But again, can I blame social media for this? No. You have to blame the individual, really and truly, for not taking the time to research something that you feel that you should support. So, yeah, it's a, it's a very strange situation because And what do you most think people... athletics in Britain, then? Here's another good one for you. What do you think, just athletics, then? We just talk about our sport. What, what do, you th- do you think he's got a good record in terms of race and equal representation? Um, yeah, because really and truly, for our sport, it can get a little bit hairy when it comes to like selecting people for international competitions and whatnot, because we don't have that like, the first three past the post and stuff like that. But for the most part, they just pick the best, the best runners, really and truly. Some people they won't pick purely because there might be a little bit of um, back and forth with UK athletics and the individual athlete. But generally, they pick the best athletes for the job or they might give some younger athletes a chance at certain competitions like at the Commonwealth or they pick certain athletes. They might not be the best to go there, but they want to give them a shot at being on an international, international competition. So yeah, I don't think we have a problem, really and truly. End of the day, the UK want to win like medals and events. They're going to put their best athletes forward. 
something like. Yeah, I think I think Athletic is it's not it's not by far it's not perfect, but I think it's yeah. It's done a really good job, not just in Britain but around the world, profiling black athletes as being really good, whether whether it be Africans, Indians, yeah. Ethiopians, exactly. um, Jamaica, North Americans. I, I think at the end of the day, you can do your talking on the track as, as such, and, and, and yeah. I think that really is correct. I mean, that's one of the great things in it. In athletics, regardless, of course, there's one or two. In, um, issues around that but generally if you've got the fastest time you've got the fastest time exactly yeah like no matter what people say what they do end of the day it's on paper it's been recorded and that's where you rank in the world like how quick your time is you know so well, here's a question for you what's the lowest ranking you've ever been at 400 meters amari <laughs> oh lowest rank are we talking about sort of age group wise? Well, or... I suppose what I mean is the highest ranking, but the lowest. Oh, highest rank. Highest rank. So I think it was when I was under 20, actually, or was it under 23? So I can't. I can't um, I'm going to have to check that out because I actually don't know. I don't know myself. I can tell you. Oh, really? You were 21st. <laughs> 21st? Yeah, that was. What, what year was that? I think I do remember that year because I was running okay that year. But, um, was that under 20s, under 23? Yeah, yes. under 20s, that's correct. And the year was to win a bonus prize. Um, Don't look it up on the internet now. Don't start 20. Around. How old am I now? 2015? 2012. 2012. Okay, well. <laughs> Oh, yes. And that was when I ran my, um, that's what, 48. Eight, I think it? you did it at Charlton Park on that 550 metre stretch. Fake timing. I do remember that race, actually. I do remember um, that British League. It was a really good race to be in. And I remember the last part of that race because that was, that was an okay year. But again, before that race happened, I think, there was injuries involved that year. So I come back and I start to get into some form. So I'm running this race now. And at the last 150, I'm like, I'm feeling pretty good. So I'm like, okay, just relax, keep your form and just see what happens. And normally at the end of a 100 meter race, before that time, I'd always really be trying to get to the line, trying to get to the line. But this time I was like, whatever happens, happens. Just keep your form. <laughs> Yeah, end up being a PB, which is awesome. So that sort of went to show me that being relaxed at the end of a meter race is really important, you know, until you actually go through it yourself. And I finished that race, I was like, okay, I'm hurting a little bit. And I, you know, you always think to yourself, I could have ran faster. Yeah, you yeah. could not have. But you know, when you run a PB, like, oh, I could have run even faster than that. But you just ran it to the best of your abilities that day. Yeah, there's a, it's an interesting thing. I'm, I'm not sure how many times. But I, I, I think there's some sort of serious psychology going on. When you, when you run a good your PB or the best time, when you finish, there's a sense there that, oh, God, I, I felt great and I could have done even more. Whereas, um, I'm sure a lot of that is psychology because you, you feel so elated sometimes that you, you almost get energy from it and you think you can do more. Whereas when you've ran absolutely shite, 
and uh, you feel knackered. It's like, oh no, I'm I'm done for here. I can run another yard. It is weird. It is weird. Um, so long ago since I ran a PB, I can't remember what any of it feels like. You can always come down to the uh, to, to the sprints and start running PBs there. <laughs> yeah, my uh, thirty-five second two hundred time needs uh, yeah needs to be rewritten. Well, you can start getting bag yourself some veterans PBs, Dean. Now, yeah, do they still count? They, they they do if you uh, they do if you go to the if you join Saga. <laughs> <laughs> Doing a podcast of you and I, Dave. Hang around with you every week. I know. Well, it's been a pleasure. I've got to lift some weights now. It's actually, you know what? Same for me as well. So it's going to be fun times. You do it it's going to be fun. Um, yes. So I've got a collection of um, kettlebells that my dad doesn't really use much. So uh, I feel that they need, need some love. So I, so I use them. Yeah. It's fun. I'm going to do the same. And Dean's going to lift, lift some uh, kettle chips. <laughs> no, no I'm, I'm going to go out for a run once I finish this. Oh, you're running tonight? Yeah, I'm going to run tonight. I've decided I'm going to get out and go for around about eight miles. Around about eight miles? Yeah. That doesn't sound very... Um, I know what you're gonna do. You're gonna go. Is that you're gonna go around a roundabout for eight miles? <laughs> uh, well, well, actually, did you? You are. You have been known to do things like that, haven't you? Just go up and down, up and down, up and down. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't mess around sometimes. It will just be like, oh, there's a four mile loop. I'll just run around that <laughs> four or five times. That'll do. Or yeah, I'll just run out for ten miles and then run back ten miles. I don't take interest in routes or anything. I just, you know, get the job done. There goes the mark of a true brain-dead distance runner. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to be on my side tonight, Dave. <laughs> well, I had Amari to aim at, so... Um... Yeah. <laughs> That's another thing. Not only is Amari the first double-barreled guest that we, uh, we've had on, he's also the first sprinter. Yes. He is. Well, well, May first. I always think you need to get a few sprinters on because then everyone else who comes on the show looks intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> that hurt, Dave. That hurt my heart. <laughs> but it's true, though. It's true. We're not a very intelligent bunch. I'm not going to let you. <laughs> we, we, I mean, we have to... I mean, I have thought about getting some real one-two sprinters on. But um, the trouble is... Um, Cartoons don't travel very well when there's no uh, when it's just on the radio. <laughs> so I'd never be able to get the questions across. You do realise I'm keeping this bit in the podcast, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> We're not editing this bit out. Oh gosh! When you get back on the track, all the spirits will look at you and be like, "Dave, we hate you." <laughs> <laughs> Well, they, they won't know unless uh, we get them to listen to the podcast. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> they can't even work a computer after. Amari, <laughs> uh, you have to spread the word. I shall. About the podcast, Thank not you. about Dave's grievances with, <laughs> with Sprinters. <laughs> just the podcast. You know what? I will, I will. But I think Dave is just jealous that he couldn't be a Sprinter. That's what it was, you know. Uh, do you know what? I, I don't want to bore you to death. I, I, this could be another edition here, but I did, I did start off life as a sprinter, and um, mm. I can tell you about the time I took part in the, um, what was it called? I think it was called the Parcel Force Sprint Challenge. 
Back in 1980, I think it was about 1986. <laughs> Did you win? Murray, you weren't even born then, were you? I think I was two. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, uh, did you win any prizes? In this, I did, yeah, this yeah. I got into the final, actually, in the Northwest. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Well, I've, I've got loads of tales I could tell, but I decided... I decided that sprinter was sprinting for was for losers, and they decided to move up. It's <laughs> okay. You just didn't have the speed. That's what it was to to stay to stay short. No, I didn't. I I, I couldn't um, couldn't get these bandy little legs turning over quick enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. Right, it's been a pleasure, gentlemen. Yeah, thank you. Until next time, work hard, relax easy. See you later. Yes. And that brings this week's episode to a close. Um, a big thank you to Amari for joining myself and Dave this week, and also to everyone out there for listening to us. If you want to join in the powwow, please like our Facebook page or follow us on Twitter. You can also contact us via email, which is powwowpod at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone, again for listening.